For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, what's up, y'all, and welcome back into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Sersosimo, and today you're listening on the Believe Network. Wow, did y'all watch Cincinnati, the Western Southern Open in Cincinnati, Ohio over last weekend? It's the last Masters 1000 tournament before the U.S. Open. Really the last big tournament before the U.S. Open. Winston-Salem is happening this week. We'll get to that at the end of this podcast. But Cincinnati did not disappoint this year. Men's, women's side, doubles, everything. It literally had everything. And we are going to start there, and we're going to start in the men's final. Now, I'm going to get to some of the matches that happened before the men's final at some point in this podcast, but I can't, I literally can't think of anything else other than the final. It was Carlos Alcaraz, the number one player in the world, versus the number two player in the world, Novak Djokovic. Every tournament sets up that these two are going to meet in the final, right? Number one versus number two, they all hope for it. Especially now, I think fans, and especially me, hope for this. Alcaraz is the best player in the world. Djokovic is the best player in the world. It just depends on the week and the match. But these two are at the very top of the pole, of the totem pole, when it comes to the best players in the world right now. And to see them battle it out, every single time they battle it out, it's a battle. Maybe not at the French Open. Alcaraz had cramps. He kind of went out early. But the first two sets were a battle. I mean, we're talking about Carlos Alcaraz and Novak Djokovic. I'm not talking about Rafa. I'm not talking about Roger. I'm talking about Carlos Alcaraz and what he can push Novak to do and be such a dynamic player against Novak Djokovic at the age he's at is incredible. It's unbelievable. Three hours, 49 minutes, and 20 seconds was the length of this match between these two stallions. Novak Djokovic wins this in a third-set tiebreaker. Carlos Alcaraz wins the first set, 7-5. Djokovic wins the second set, 9-7 in a tiebreaker, and then wins the third set, 4 in a tiebreaker. Incredible, incredible stuff from Novak Djokovic. Even better stuff at points from Carlos Alcaraz. These two going at it, they do not disappoint. They're almost on the court for four hours for a three-set match. There's four or five-set matches sometimes that don't even take that long. For these two in a Masters 1000 tournament ahead of a Grand Slam, just one week until a Grand Slam, to go battle each other like this, incredible. So good for the sport and really awesome for fans and a good promise of what's to come, hopefully at the U.S. Open, but really in the next few years of tennis. This match had it all. It was dramatic. Uh, both players played really great at times. Carlos Alcaraz gets out to that lead, 7-5 in the first set. Novak Djokovic, it was so hot in Cincinnati. Novak Djokovic at one point, you know, had his head in a towel, and he was like, you know, I'm, I, it looked like he, heat exhaustion was kind of on the way for him. He rallies back, wins the second set, and then in the third, it was just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and Djokovic comes out on top with this win. Novak Djokovic wins his record 39th Masters 1000 title. 39. 
There's there's guys on tour, there's people on tour that would just be happy to make it to 39 finals throughout their entire career. He's won Masters 1000s titles 39 times. Incredible stuff from Novak Djokovic, and he seems to not be slowing down. The way that he mentally and physically gets over the heat exhaustion phase and being so tired in this match, and Alcaraz is no slump, right? He's the best player in the world for a reason. The fact that he can get over that and get through that and come out and beat Alcaraz is insane. What Novak Djokovic is doing right now in the tennis court, I've said this for the last few years, this is definitely something to keep note of and take note of because he's playing incredible and it's shocking stuff. Um, when he made it to the semifinal, he made it into his 75th Masters 1000 semifinal of his career. It looks like the record is held by Rafael Nadal at 76 when it comes to semifinals, but on finals and titles, Novak Djokovic has that record. Novak Djokovic has a record 249 wins over top 10 opponents, including 16 over world number ones, 10 over Nadal, three over Federer, Alcaraz, he has two now, and Murray once. That's wild. Novak, What Novak Djokovic does is insane. For him to keep going, I mean, I feel like I'm a broken record saying all this stuff, but the way Novak Djokovic can play on any surface, at any level, at any time, is truly remarkable. And, you know, that LeBron saying where he's like, you know, we're all just witnesses. I feel like that's what we are here. We're just witnesses to the greatness that is Novak Djokovic. And to sit back and watch him play is jaw-dropping at times compared, I mean, compared to literally anybody else on tour, but to watch him make some of the plays he does in the shots is incredible. To watch him play Carlos Alcaraz, this is the final that I was hoping we would get in Cincinnati. This is the final me and I believe a lot of fans hope that they get in New York. To see these two play in Arthur Ashe Stadium for a title in New York City would be incredible. I mean, it's must-see TV. It is absolutely must-see TV. It'd be great for the sport. It'd be great for viewers. Viewing, you know, viewership-wise, it'd be great to get more eyes on the sport, having these two. And I think it would be huge for the U.S. Open to have these two meet in the final. Will they? I don't know. A lot has to happen. But the way these two are playing right now, I wouldn't put it past them for sure. Now, I'm talking about Novak, 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 Novak. This doesn't undermine the tournament that Carlos Alcaraz has. Now, According to Jose Margado, Novak Djokovic only needs one win at the U.S. Open to regain number one after Cincinnati. And then Alcaraz defends nothing until February, and Djokovic defends 5,000 points. So it's going to go back and forth between these two for a while, but it looks like uh, it looks like Novak Djokovic can be the two seed at the U.S. Open, and Alcaraz is going to be the one seed as of now. What Alcaraz did to get to the final, I mean, he had to go through some some winners. Not saying Djokovic didn't have to, but Alcaraz had to go through Hubie Hurkacz. He won that in three sets, and the shots that he made there were awesome. I mean, watching Carlos Alcaraz throughout the duration of this tournament was awesome to see in the shots that he would make. He beat Tommy Paul in three sets. He beat Jordan Thompson in three sets. Three sets, three sets, three sets, three sets, three sets. All the way through... Carlos Alcaraz played three sets. Will this help with the U.S. Open? I don't know. It could help endurance-wise. He, he gets kind of a week off here to kind of re- regroup before the U.S. Open, so I'm I'm hoping so. But, yeah, it's it's wild to see what Carlos Alcaraz is doing at this point. Uh, Tommy Paul beat him not too long ago. He comes back, beats Tommy Paul, and he moves forward. Carlos Alcaraz is the future. He's the right now as well. He's the present. And for Novak Djokovic to stop him is... Incredibly hard to do, and 
I mean, all you can do is tip your cap to Novak Djokovic and really Carlos Alcaraz here. I know I'm kind of praising them both, but they both had a great tournament. And when you put on a performance like that, wild. It is wild, wild stuff. We don't get this all the time in tennis. I'm telling you, we don't get this all the time in tennis. That's why I'm so excited about it. Because we don't get stuff like this all the time in tennis. Sometimes, when you, you don't get the two best players in the world to play each other all the time, especially in a final that really means something. You know, it doesn't happen all the time. Usually it's somebody else or top 10, top 20 player playing one of these guys. So that's why I think this is so important. And that's why I'm, you know, so excited about it. Because we don't know how many days we have left of two big rivals like this. Because... Novak's going to be probably retiring in the next five years. Rafa's kind of already out the door, and that means Carlos has to play really, really well. What if Novak leaves and Carlos has no competition? I'm not saying he's not going to, but the last 15 years we've been spoiled with the level of tennis we've seen, and it's starting to become the end of that area era into a new era, and I'm hoping it continues. I don't know if it's going to continue, but to see matches like we saw on Sunday in Cincinnati is truly a blessing, and I'm excited about it moving forward for sure, and I hope we get it in New York. All right, elsewhere around this tournament, Stan Wawrinka, good tournament for him, honestly. Uh, he's been turning heads lately. He beats Francis Tiafo, loses to Max Purcell, but Francis Tiafo, he beats him in the second round, which is impressive. Max Purcell, what a tournament. A qualifier, he's a doubles guy, beats Lloyd Harris in the first round, beats Casper Ruud in the second round. In the third round, he beats Stan Wawrinka and then takes Alcaraz to four sets. Stand up, Max Purcell. Hell of a tournament. Uh, let's look at Hubi Hercoc. He had to beat Borna Chorich. He had to beat Kakanakis. He had to beat Sitsipas. And then he had to beat Alexi Paparin to get to play Carlos Alcaraz. And then played Carlos Alcaraz really tight. There was a many times in that, in that match I thought he was going to beat Alcaraz for sure. But somehow Alcaraz comes out on top. That's just what he does. Impressive tournament from Alexander Sferov. Sferov beats Daniil Medvedev. In this tournament, Medvedev super good on hard court, but Sparrow comes out on top and then beats Adrian uh, Manorino. Good tournament by uh, Alexander Sparrow. He's slowly climbing the ranks again to be where he was before his injury, uh, which I think is great to see because he's such a good and dynamic player. And he was he was at such a high level when he got hurt. So it's good to see him kind of regain some of that and get back to where he was at one point. Obviously, he loses to Novak Djokovic because Novak Djokovic is a uh, Novak Djokovic. Uh, Gael Monfils, good to see him play good tennis again. He beats Cam Nori, beats Alex de Manure, loses to Novak Djokovic in the third round. But it's awesome to see Monfils get back to a level, uh, I wouldn't say get back, but inch closer to a level that he once was. Because he's really, really good. And he's fun to watch. He's entertaining. People like watching him. Gael Monfils, good tournament. Hope to see you in New York doing special things. That's going to be it on the men's side for this tournament. A fantastic Cincinnati. I can't rave enough about how good of tournament this was in Cincinnati. Great players, great outcome, great tournament. Man, it was fun to watch. I'd watch it again next week if it was on again for sure. But we got the U.S. Open, greatest tournament in the world coming up here in a couple weeks, which we will talk about next week on the pod. But I want to get to the women's side of this Masters 1000 event because it was awesome. Let's get over to the women's side. I want to talk about this a little bit Uh Coco Goff, what an incredible tournament. Gets the biggest win of her career, wins this Masters 1000 event in Cincinnati. Got to be good for her moving forward into the U.S. Open. Coco Goff has been so close to winning a lot, right? So close. And Steve Wiseman said it on this podcast a few podcasts ago when I had him on about a month or so, a couple months ago maybe. But he said it's so you know weird to put these expectations 
on Coco Golf that she's going to win a major because she's 19 years old and she's been on tour since she was 15, right? Seems like she's been on tour for a while and she still hasn't won a major. And you're like, you've been so good. How haven't you won a major? Well, why don't we just take a step back and remember that she's 19 years old and she's been on tour through high school, right? So it's a little un- it's a little unfair to put these expectations on her. But for her to excel in Cincinnati and win the Cincinnati tournament is incredible because I think, I don't know if there's internal pressure with her, but I think a lot of people have been looking at Coco Golf like, you've been really, really good. Let's win a big tournament here. And she's made it to a final. I believe it was a French Open. And for her to really come through in Cincinnati and put together really a full tournament is awesome. She beats Iga Swiatek in the semifinals in three sets. That was a big hurdle, I believe, for Coco because, uh, you know, Sviatek right now is the standard. And she's lost to Sviatek before, I believe, in a final, I believe. I think it was the French Open final. Um, but for her to get over that hump, so to speak, and then make it to the final and then excel in the final was amazing to see. Coco Goff, with the, by far, I think, the biggest win of her career. I mean... She did beat Venus at Wimbledon, but she wins a title here in a Masters 1000 event. Congrats to Coco Goff. Coco Goff and Novak Djokovic, the champions in Cincinnati, as we move into the U.S. Open, which is so close. It's only a week away. But let's talk about Winston-Salem a little bit before we get out of here or maybe get to some news. Like expected, not huge names in Winston-Salem. Number one seed is Borna Chorich. Michael Moe is here. Um, let's look who else is here. Jerry is here. Van de Zanschkulpt is here. Uh, really, other than that, Nakashima, uh, Sebastian Corda is here as the three seed, and then Jack Draper and Greek Sport. So that's really it. These are just some people, I think, trying to get last-minute preparation for the U.S. Open and really trying to get some points. I think they're in need of some points that they left somewhere else. So they're going to go to a smaller tournament like this, right, for the U.S. Open. Everybody else really headed to New York City to get ready for the new U.S. Open. But, I mean... Borna Chorich, Korda, um, you look at Jack Draper or Greekspur, like one of those guys I think can get it done here in Winston-Salem to uh, take the title for sure. Now, whether they want to win this tournament or not, I feel like some players just go to this tournament to get a you know a couple extra matches in before they go to the U.S. Open and want to bounce and get to New York City as fast as possible. So who knows? I have no idea. Let's get to some news. Uh, Cabal and Farah, uh, Juan Cabal and Robert Farah, I believe that's how you say their names. Uh, they won the U.S. Open in 2019. They won Rome in 2019. They won Wimbledon in 2019. They won Rome in 2018. They were the number one team in the world for a while. I believe they're Colombian. The two Colombians, they were world number one. Um, they're retiring. Announced their retirement. They will be two-time Grand Slam champions. will play the U.S. Open, the Davis Cup, and the Colombian National Games before retiring from professional tennis. I watched them play in 2019 when they won the U.S. Open, and they were unstoppable. The The level of tennis they were playing was like all right, nobody's going to beat these dudes. And that's how it was. Uh, all smiles, they seemed. Great families around them at the time. So, uh, bummer. But, you know, sometimes life has to move on. That is what's happening with Cabal and Farah. Holger Rune, he retired out of uh, Cincinnati. He retired when he lost to Mackenzie McDonald. He stepped away. And this stat came out. Runa didn't win a match between Wimbledon and the U.S. Open. That's wild, right? Didn't win a match between Wimbledon and the U.S. Open. It's like a month and a half. month, A little over a month. That's crazy to me. Um, but we move on. Talking about the U.S. Open, it looks like uh, 
Juan Martin Del Potro wanted to play at the U.S. Open, but his body didn't cooperate. And uh, it says, he said, he tried by all means, but my body's not 100% for me to feel comfortable and happy to share. Um, so he's not. He's not playing in the U.S. Open. Bummer for Argentinian, Argentinian fans. I think that's how you say it. Argentinian fans. But Juan Martin Del Potro has been such a staple of the sport forever. I didn't even really know he was trying to get back to the U.S. Open. So when I saw the news that he put this letter out upset about not making it to the U.S. Open, I was a little surprised by it. But I don't know how well he would do in today's game. I really don't. But he would just wants to get back on that big stage maybe one or two more times. I understand. It's addicting, and it's really cool. And if you can do it, do it because you're one of like only 100 people in the world that can. So he's out. Speaking of the US Open, we're going to talk about that all next week on the podcast. So uh, stay tuned here. Once the draw comes out, I, th- I believe it starts on Monday. But once the draw comes out, uh, yeah, we'll get right to it, talk about it. That'll probably be Sunday or so, and we'll get right to it. So appreciate you listening today. We'll see you next week. Wow. Could you imagine if it was an Alcaraz Djokovic final at the US Open? That's wild. See you later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.